You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. No! Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Off Day Podcast, episode 200. So we figured we'd bring in two of our uh, most special guests, Mike Giardi, Paul Perillo. And it was Andy's idea. He said that we should do something special for this occasion. And here they are. Well, I wanted Paul because I figured 200th episode, you could have somebody who weighs well over 200 pounds. So oh, does it make oh, sense, Andy? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I know that's why it's awesome. <laughs> does it make sense? That's just not nice. No. All right. So we, we have some questions to get to kind of overarching Patriots big picture stuff. But I think we should first start out with uh, the Bills game. Do you guys take anything from that game? Uh, do you feel any better about this team or is it just the game was the conditions and it kind of doesn't mean anything. I defer to Paul. <laughs> I, I, I didn't learn a lot about the team because I already was convinced that the, the characteristics you saw in that game, I, I knew they had uh, going in. I think they're a pretty tough team. Uh, I think that Belichick has shown them, uh, you know, different ways to go about wins. That was a survival game. I mean, obviously the conditions prevented you from doing anything really other than the, what they did. And uh, they found a way to make 14 points hold up. But, you know, in terms of what they are, I, I think that they're uh, certainly strongly in the mix in the AFC. And I, I felt like that going, it was a huge win for them just because it solidifies um, their ability to control their destiny moving forward. Piggybacking off of that, Mike, um, yeah. and I'll let you answer this because uh, I've seen a lot of uh, Bill Belichick's a genius, genius game plan, put it in the hall of fame, um, I don't really understand it. I, I, I think Paul used a great word like survival. Like they did what they had to do. And in my opinion, the game just changed on the Damian Harris run. Like you knew you were going to start by running the ball and then you got really fortunate and a safety took a terrible angle. He goes 64 yards. You get a two point conversion. You're up eight, nothing. You're playing the game on your terms. Like to me, the game was won by the players, the linemen, the fullback, the running backs. Like what did Bill do? That was a genius. Go ahead. No, he, he, nothing. 
<laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, so I'm serious. They're, they're, like, I, and I saw the same tweets and I've heard the, you know, the, the comments that Belichick's a God and we're getting all these things after the fact. And look, he's done a phenomenal coaching job again, right? Like <laughs> rinse, lather, repeat the whole thing here. We're getting the same thing, but I, there was nothing special about that. What they did was, to your point, they got out in front early, which, oh, by the way, during this seven-game win streak, that's what's happened. And then that allowed them in those conditions to be risk adverse, right? You're, we're not going to do anything. You know, Buffalo scores. It's eight to six. Do you go for two? No, he kicks the extra point. Well, you're still chasing us. You, you still allowed us to stay in the driver's seat. And, I, you know, I, I, it was – he had his team ready to play. Obviously, they're ready to play in the elements because it's, as we well know, it's something they do every single day here in practice, whether it's hot, cold, rainy, windy, whatever. Um, but as far as the game plan, I mean, there's nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, I, I was actually more interested. And in, in I, again, I know that the, the conditions had a lot to do with it, but just how much people were talking about the fact that they only threw three passes and how important that was, I, I thought they completely overlooked the defense and, and I think the reason why you're able to play that way is because what Mike just said, they maintain the lead throughout. They never had to worry about changing because they never had to chase points. And you know, the Patriots got in the red zone once all night. Buffalo got there four times and they only converted once. Uh, and that was off of the turnover from, from Harry. So I, I thought the defense didn't get the amount of credit it was due. And, and again, I know that the, the conditions really helped their cause, but the conditions helped Buffalo's cause on defense too. And I, I think both defenses dominated the game. The, the yards were pretty much even. The time of possession was pretty much even. I think everybody fixates on the fact that all of the yards for the Patriots came on the ground, where Buffaloes were sort of evenly divided between the run and the pass. I don't really see a difference to me. It was all about the defense. So before we move on, um, I want you guys to answer a question that Ryan and I debated a little bit on our Monday uh, or Tuesday morning post-game podcast. Uh, he thinks they would have thrown the ball significantly more if somebody by the name of Thomas Edward Brady had been their quarterback. And I said, I didn't think, I think it would have been maybe up around eight or 10 passes if Brady's the quarterback, but I don't think it would have gotten into Josh Allen, 30 pass attempts land. How do you think the game would have been different if Brady were the quarterback? Yeah, I certainly think they would have thrown it a few more times, but again, I think to, to the point, I think it was all about sort of managing the situation and the elements and like, they were tough. They were able to, to run the ball effectively for the better part of the game. Like, I don't think, I don't think they're throwing it 20 times, maybe 10. Yeah. If they had the lead throughout like that, I think they would have thrown it more than 10 times. I think he would have thrown with the wind. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of those drives that they had, you know, you know, run, run, run. And then, you know, a perfect time for a play action pass and you're not bombing away or anything like that. But I think with Brady, and, and him being a little bit more, I, I think he also saw the first pass attempt of the night and that might've spooked them a little bit because that was a bad throw. Um, and it got caught in the wind and it, and it kind of showed like, you can't throw the floaters in this weather. You have to, you have to throw it a little bit differently, but Mike is right that the score allowed them to continue it. And I don't think Brady would have thrown the ball 30 times unless the, the, the game unfolded differently. It would have been like, my point is like 20 times. Cause I don't think he would have saw the game plan that day. Josh comes and say, we're only going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball every play. You think Brady would say, oh, okay, sure, no problem. Like, no, he's going to want to throw those quick screens, those quick passes that are like runs, but he wouldn't have gone along with it as much as Mac did. Well, publicly, he would have said, sure, no problem. And privately, he would have whined to Giselle and his inner circle and Alex, and I want to throw the ball more. I don't care that it's windy. Anyway, we can move on now. Go ahead. 
Um, when I, Matt, you want to get into like, also would have scored 30 points, but that's beside the point. Snarky Perillo chiming in. So you do think that because because it was a weird game where some people said they were scared to death of letting Mac throw. And some people said, oh, you learned how, how much Mac wants to win. He just he, he was humble and he was a team player and he didn't have to throw the ball, blah, blah. Like, so you think it was a little bit of a commentary on they have a rookie quarterback with a weak arm that they can't trust. No, I'm with Mike. I, oh, I think it no. was. The, I think it was all the score. I, I think. I, I don't think either one of those narratives are right. I've heard a lot of people say this was an obvious indication that they don't trust Mac. I don't believe that. I think it was a one-off in terrible conditions, and and I believe that the way the game unfolded allowed them to continue that way. Do you think if Buffalo scored with six minutes left, the first time they had first and goal from the six, if they scored, they would have come out and just run the ball three times and punted? No, of course they would have thrown the ball if they if they were chasing points late in the fourth quarter. They didn't have to. I, and I also think just to the to the do they don't trust Mac thing, like Mac's never played in anything like that before ever. So yeah, let's let's manage it. Like we don't need to have him out there flinging it all over the place and trying to figure out what works right. and what doesn't work in, in a huge divisional game. Like we're in the lead. Keep running the ball. If they get in front, to, to Paul's point, yeah, then then maybe, yeah, we have to throw the ball. But in that situation, they didn't have to expose them to it. And, Paul, you know I, I, I tend to overreact to the visual. Um, and <laughs> the Kurt Warner Cardinals, when he looked cold the second he got on the field, the game was over. Yeah. I thought Mac looked a little bit like that with his hoodie he ran on. on the field. He ran on the field very similarly to, to Kurt Warner that day. And he had whatever the hoodie he was wearing kept coming untucked, and he kept, like, tucking back suit. in, like – like I'm getting a draft in my neck and I don't like this. And he looked cold and uncomfortable. Like, I, I don't know how you can say otherwise. That doesn't mean he'll never be good in the cold weather or anything, but he looked. No. Cold. And, and I also see, yeah, and that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Like the colds, cause it was really cold. Did that make him uncomfortable? Now the wind to me, like I said, was a one-off. You're not right. going to play a lot of games in 50 mile an hour winds. And, you know, I, I laughed and, and, and you know this, Andy, cause you, you guys were there like in, in the 08 game. You imagine if that was the awakening, they would have never thrown it. Not at all. Never. <laughs> and people like I'm I'm glad Bill brought that up because I was not watching, even close. Well, I was watching post game and Zoe was like, this is the worst I've ever seen in my life. And people keep saying, oh, wait, and this was worse. And blah, blah. And Bill goes, yeah, not even close. If you remember, Paul, in 08, they had those big plastic benches. The players were yep. sitting on them when they stood up to go play. The bench blew away. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I, like I've told was, that story, you know, a lot this week. I was doing actually from your station at the time. I was doing the EEI pregame show, and I was basically the only one in the stadium uh, early in the morning. And there was stuff blowing around. Like Andy's not exaggerating. Those big white heated benches were airborne, <laughs> just blowing across the field. The goalposts were, you know, one's going one way, one's going the other way. Nothing like that the other night. I think if it had been like that, Mac would have been like Bill. Uh, it's weird. My arms, my, my, I, think, I should uh, probably sit. Hey, Hoyer, you, been, Hoyer. Well, you played in Cleveland. <laughs> Hoy dog. Hoy dog. Okay, Ryan, I know Hoy you star. want to move on to big picture stuff, so sorry. All right, well, there's a million different ways we can go. Let's start with, um, with Mac. Do you think he is good enough to, like, I guess, win a game on his own? We haven't seen it yet, I don't think. You maybe say the Cleveland game. But he hasn't had that game yet where they've been down by 10 points and he's come back to, you know, to take a lead in the fourth quarter or win in a shootout. We haven't seen that yet. Do you think that's there? We have to have, do you think we need to see it? Thoughts? Paul? Why do I always have to go first? You can't Why give not? your thoughts? Why not? 
Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Mac has done everything they've asked him to do. I don't, I don't really have a lot of reservations going into games. I think the the questions about his ability to come from behind and, and perform in, in adverse weather conditions, they're going to persist, persist because he hasn't done it. So until that happens, you can't say, oh, yeah, no, he can come from behind. He can do this. He can do that. He really hasn't Some people had, had a Some situation. That, what what are this the seven game winning streak? I think that they've been trailing. Forget about when they've been trailing. I think they've been trailing three times. I believe it was Char- nine minutes. Ryan, didn't you uh, come up? That with was that? not the entire win streak. That include the Chargers game. Oh. Yeah, the, the the Chargers game, the Carolina game. They were trailing in the second quarter against Carolina, and in the first quarter after the first drive against Cleveland. That's it. Um, so that's not his fault that he hasn't had to come from behind and. There's no indications that he won't be able to do it, but those questions will linger until the Patriots are in those kinds of situations. Sure. I mean, I look at Tampa, you know, it, it put them in position at the end of the game uh, to, to, to win the game, if you will. I know, oh, you know, they, whatever you want to talk about the play calling, uh, he, he had them in a spot to win the game. And in Dallas, he put him in, a, in an opportunity to win the game. So, you know, I don't look, I think if you're going to give him the truth serum, yeah, they don't want to be down two scores with 12 minutes to go in the game and have to just throw in every single play. That's not how they want to play. That's not how they built this team, whether it was going to be Cam or Mac. But, you know, to Paul's point, like, I can't ding him for he, he's, when he's when he's been asked to do it, what he's been asked to do, he's done it, and he's done it at a high level. Yeah, and I would also say, you know, I, I don't when, when Brady was the Patriots quarterback, I'm pretty sure Bill didn't want to be down 12 with, uh, you know, right. six minutes left. Uh, you know what? You know what a great way to go about this? Well, just let them get the lead. And we know we have a guy that can come from behind because Brady's one of the best come from behind. I don't, I don't think that's the way they wanted to play, um, you know, un, you know, with even the, the best veteran quarterback uh, in the clutch. So to Mike's point, they, they're built to play this way. They, they want to get the lead. They want to run the ball and they want to play to their defense. Absolutely. But, you know, we, we're not going to know until we see it. And I, I would counter with the, the Tampa and the, and the Dallas games. I, I do think he had opportunities in those games. And the best he could come up with was a 56-yard field goal attempt and then, a, you know, a punch from midfield in overtime against Dallas. So he, he has had opportunities. He hasn't been terrible in those opportunities, but they haven't been able to. Do you think if those games were now, Bill would have done things differently? I don't think. The play I, think th- I think there's a chance. I, I think there's a chance that uh, certainly the Dallas game, right? You remember the overtime, the, the fourth and three that everybody got a lot of, around midfield. I, yep. I, I wonder if maybe he would have done it differently. But the, the flip side of that is at the time, the defense was was really struggling. Maybe the way the defense is playing now, he would say, I'll punt it down, down and pin him in and I'll get a three and out and I'll get the ball right back in the same spot and go in and kick a field goal. So I, I could see that both both sides of that. Is Mac Jones the word that Matthew Slater used yesterday? Special. And I ask that because we're talking about Super Bowls. That's now like in the conversation. Patriots, Super Bowls, and the next rookie quarterback to lead his team to the Super Bowl will be the first. And you know, Paul, I'm, I'm big on special. Like you watch the first LeBron James game. Oh, that guy's special. He can play. And is Mac Jones. Nothing gets by Andy, Mike. <laughs> no, he was a special kind of douche, but that's a different topic for a different wow, day. Wow. Um, is Mac Jones special? Is he worthy of being the first ever to lead his team to the Super Bowl as a rookie? When I look at the history of quarterbacks in the National Football League, no, no. And look, I think there's some intangibles clearly that his teammates have latched onto. You know, his 
obviously his intelligence, the, the work that he's put in, his toughness, those things are, have made a big difference, I think, with his teammates, especially his veteran teammates. But in terms of the player, is, it a, is the player special? I mean, that, that goes into it if you're, if you're sort of molding that piece together. But I don't know that we know that the, the player himself, what he does on the football field, the ability to make that, that one throw 50 yards down the field, you know, off platform, we haven't seen it yet. So declaring him special, like we want to race to, to in the media, we do this all the time. Our fans, like he, we have to, it's the extreme. Everything's the extreme. Um, he's not that. Not but, yet. But don't blame just us. Like Matthew Slater is the son of a Hall of Fame player sure. who hung around with Tom Brady for a decade. He's seen, you know, the old Kennedy thing. I know special. Like, and he well, deemed Andy, Mac Jones Andy, special. Andy, if you were listening to me, I gave you one of the, the reasons why I think you used the word special because of the toughness, because of the so, work ethic. Because but that all counts. That sure, all absolutely counts. it counts. But like, yeah. there's a whole part of this there's a whole piece mosaic is that what uh belichick yeah. doesn't use that it's, always, it's also his teammate right i mean right yeah but he didn't have to he could have made a joke of it like it it stemmed from the even older guy comment so he could say like you know young buck or, or whatever doesn't know what he doesn't know like ha 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 you know, matt slater well, he said that. special he wasn't saying like greatest player of all time he's saying like he's a special kid like not a lot of kids and, 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 matthew, and matthew gives I mean, Joe Cardona is one of the greatest leaders that have ever come through the locker room. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm the, first of all, I'm not in there every day. We're, we're, hell, we haven't been in there for two years, but like, I, I, I mean, really Cardona, <laughs> like people rally behind Joe Cardona. Well, to be fair, he, Matthew Slater did say on our station this week that, um, how did he phrase it? Nikhil Harry has earned our confidence to be back there on that punt. Yeah. How exactly? How exactly, Matthew? Now that's being a good teammate. Yes. Now that's falling on your sword yes. and saying. Right. And, and and I think that that's what Slater's career has been all about is is doing and saying the right things in in uh, in in terms of leadership, like Mike talked about. And you know what's going to tell the story for Mac is I think that if you listen to almost all of the pre-draft information that was coming out almost every single person was wildly in agreement that he was by far and away the most ready to play mm -hmm. so what we've seen is a guy who in fact has been the most ready to play yep. what will tell me anything about him going forward is to see is is he is he close to a finished product because of the way he came into the league or is there a lot to be uh improved upon to mike's point you know, some of the off-platform plays that we haven't seen a ton of, um, you know, recognizing some of the blitzes that I think have given him some problems at times, things like that. He doesn't, he doesn't really put the ball in harm's way on a consistent basis. He does a lot of those things to not lose games. We'll see if he can be one of those quarterbacks that can then turn and, and go out and win games. And I, I fully admit, like, there's two kinds of special. There's the the LeBron, Zion, Mike Trout, you know, who Patrick Mahomes, whatever you want to say, like the freak Ashley, Bo. And then there's, you know, the Tom Brady special or the Drew Brees special. I'm a second round pick, but I'm going to play for 20 years at five foot 10 and throw for 80 billion yards. Or, you know, did anybody think Greg Maddox was special until they realized, son of a bitch, he can do that. Every time he goes out there, he throws 82 miles an hour and only pitches for two hours and wins most of the time. Like, there's two different kinds of special. There's the the eyeball test special, and then there's the, I guess, results-driven special. Right, right. right. We'll you see if Mac, and Mac would fall into that latter category if, in fact, he does, the, does it. Right. I just, 
I still have my doubts. Like the one thing, you know, we, we talked about it before we came on, like the football outsiders, all the Patriots have a 99.9% chance to go to the Super Bowl or whatever the hell the number oh, it is. dropped. It dropped this week. <laughs> like oh. you're predicting something that's never happened, like never happened. And that, that like, I just can't get past that. Like I might be wrong. Like it's hard for me to just say he is special. He's going to be the first that's ever done it. Now the flip side is um, I asked Michael Irvin this on, on our station last week. And he said, well, I think that's going to go away sooner rather than later because we've seen rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks are being thrown out there. They're having success. You know, Baker Mayfield was awesome. The end of his rookie year, Justin Herbert was really good last year. Like it didn't translate necessarily to playoffs and wins, but at some point sooner rather than later, these guys are being given chances. And like the more chances you have, the more likely it is to happen. I just find it hard to believe that Mac's going to be that guy to, to break that streak. All right, I got a, a question for everyone. This is more of a bye week question, but because this is the bye, or I should say an earlier in the season question, but because their bye week is so late, um, I'll ask now. Biggest surprise of the season? Could be a player, could be a, a thing that's happened. Just their biggest surprise from the season. I'll yes. go first and quick. Jonu Smith, I have no further comments, and it's a negative <laughs> surprise. So- it's a big surprise that your, your, your surprise is negative. Well, I thought he was going to be the team freaking MVP in the centerpiece of the offense. He can't catch or can't play. I don't know. One of them. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, I'll say just that Matthew Judon has been this much of an impact. I thought Matthew Judon was a pretty good player in Baltimore. Um, and I think he's been, you know, I expected him to be pretty good. I think that he has been uh, much better off the field than I was anticipating. I think that he's really led that group. Uh, the front seven, I, I think he's been, uh, you know, because, you know, I see Andy making faces as I'm talking. And there were some stories about him not necessarily being the greatest teammate and the greatest, uh, you know, communicator um, off the field. And I think that he's been really strong in that regard. So in our I first think. Zoom call with him, you remember that? He was walking the streets of New York, not even paying yes. attention. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I knew he was a good player. So I'm not going to say I'm shocked that he is having a good season. I didn't know that he was going to give you all of this other stuff. And, and I'll even include the comment the other night at the end of the game, like, you know, the offense did a great job, except for Mac. He didn't really do anything. Like, I thought that was great. I thought that was a sign of how tight that locker room is. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily get into all of that stuff. I leave that to the TV types like, like Giardi, but wow. I, I, I think that was a surprise to me with Judah. Shot across the bow. Uh, I, I'm going to piggyback off both of you. I was with Andy. I think we sat there on that hill during training camp and we're like, he can do some things, John o. Smith. Like, like <laughs> I just thought even at the beginning, like as he's going to, you know, I, I, it takes time to learn the offense, takes time to feel comfortable. But I was like, well, red zone, like right away, I just see this guy red zone. He can't run linebackers. Can't run with him. Safeties are too small for him. Like you're not going to put a nickel corner on him. Cause he's just going to completely out muscle the guy. And there's this weird thing with him where, the, the movements look disjointed at times. Like it doesn't, even the catch he made against Buffalo, he fell down. Like, it's not fluid. I, it's, it's just bizarre for someone who is, um, you know, who tests off the chart in terms of, you know, his athleticism. So that's been, that, that certainly has surprised me this year. And to Judon, like, I think in talking to people when they made that move, they were like, this guy, it, it's the complete player. So he's going to be really good against the run, which, Eh, he's had some moments where he hasn't been so good against the run, but okay. But I don't think, I mean, I would like to, I'll probably go back over my notes and revisit, but I don't think anybody I talk to 
inside the organization at the time of the signing was like, this guy's going to be a 15 sack guy for us. So that part of it has definitely been surprising to me just based on what they had told me, because I know he had a, a year or two in Baltimore where he did that, but, but I think it might be surprising to them too. And of course, I don't think they'll admit that now, but like that was the vibe I got in, in, in the spring. And it's weird. First of all, I need to give Christian Fourier credit because Paul, you'll be stunned yes. to hear this. Um, I mocked somebody on the radio when they said something. Um, I was on with Christian and he pulled a Fred Kirsch. He said, you know, with Judon, the ceiling is defensive player of the year. The floor is all pro outside linebacker. And I mocked him roundly. Like I just went after him. Son of a bitch. I think he's right. The ceiling is the defensive player of the year and the floor. And it's weird because you're right, Mike. He, he's a pro bowl player. He's already a two-time pro bowl player had 10 and a half sacks or whatever. Usually, isn't it the opposite? You don't go to New England to see your numbers explode. Your numbers shrink, and we hear, oh, Bill doesn't put a focus on the sack, and it's team defense, and it's pressures, and it's all these things. And he's the rare guy that comes here, and he has the productive explosion because that's what – like, I kind of mocked Fourier in part because I said he's never going to get the 15 to 18 sacks you need to be a defensive player of the year. I still personally don't think he's a defensive player of the year. I think T.J. Watt is having a better year, but – no, yeah, I mean, but that's a different argument, but he, he is in the conversation, right. um, you know, without question because of the production. Now, I would argue your old thing, like, I think, I think Matthew Judon, in terms of a pass rusher, basically shows up once a week and he sacks <laughs> the quarterback. Like this week, he was the closest guy when Josh Allen tripped over his offensive lineman and wasn't like, sure if he was down or not. Also, yeah. hesitated because he's like, Am I down or can I get up and go? Right. So, and again, I'm not taking anything, like I'm more surprised with how much of an impact he's had with his teammates. Right. Um, and to Mike's point, I think, you know, to not expect him to get be a 12 to 15, that's never really what he's been. Right. Um, and in Baltimore, he was always a sort of set the edge, well-rounded outside edge guy. And with the Patriots, it's kind of been, he's been their best pass rusher by far. And he's consistently providing pressure on the passer uh, and making a lot of big plays. That, so, yeah, I was a little surprised by that. You know, I will can just one. jump in. Well, can I jump in real quick? Sure. And I think, I guess if, I, if I'm going to go off the board from the two previous suggestions, Barmore. Because I think Barmore has given them something in the interior in terms of a pass rusher that they haven't had in a long, long time. And mm -hmm. it's not perfect. He's obviously still growing as a player. But there are moments where you're like, I'm watching Richard Seymour. Yep. That's, you know, and I mean, that, that's, you know, Richard Seymour is probably headed to the Hall of Fame this year or eventually. So that, that's lofty comparisons. He's got a long way to go before he gets there, but there are certain things that he does and that pressure that he provides up the gut that, yeah. That, and I think that, I think that's made a huge difference for Matthew Judon, right? And Judon's talked about it several times. Like, you know, he, he's getting, he's, or as, as Barmore said, if I get two, then that means they're going to get one. But if I get one, they're going to feel my pain. Well, there you go. Um, I think I, it's interesting. We've talked a lot about Mac Jones, but we didn't really talk about Mac Jones in this question. Like Mac Jones is knocking on the door statistically anyway, of being a top 10 quarterback. Like everybody yeah. fixates on the completion percentage, but rating, I think is 13th yards is 12. Like he's in that knocking on the door statistically. I have to say like, I, he's been better than I expected. More Me too. Consistent. Um, I actually, I did TV with Curran back as Ryan would say, near the middle of the season, a bye week question back before the bye. Um, and we debated MVP. And at the time, I was all in on Judon. And for what Paul said, 
I even went back to camp when he was like yelling at press conferences from afar. And it was like, wow, this guy is a, a ball buster slash leader slash energy slash whatever you want to call it. I now would throw my vote towards Mac because he has done something and it, not just the production, the production's fine on the field. He's been good enough to win with all that crap, but like McCourty said it a couple of weeks ago, like he's just our quarterback. We'll ride with him. Like, like that's our guy. Like he's our guy. And the way he has early in the year when he was taking those big hits, when uh, what's him call it Gregory nearly, nearly killed him and all the linemen were like, Whew, he earned some credit with us this week. Like they all praised him. It's almost like everything he's done on and off the field has worked out. Like has been the right thing to say, thing to do, face to give anger to show like whatever. So I've been surprised that Max been as good at, at everything he's done as he's been. About on uh, defense, back to that side of the ball, the Stephon Gilmore not having him not being an issue. But aside from maybe the Tampa and the Dallas game, there hasn't really been a game where you've been like, oh, they really missed Stephon Gilmore. And I think part of that could be because the oppositions haven't taken full advantage. Like we were talking yesterday, Andy, with Phil Perry, Jalen Mills, no one's really attacked him. So maybe that's more on the opposition than the Patriots and Jalen Mills. But just the fact that the Patriots haven't missed Stephon Gilmore has been a surprise. I wasn't going to bring up Phil's name, but since you brought up Phil's name and that discussion was interesting, um, Phil was telling us he was predicting Jalen Mills to set an, Paul, you're going to love this. I didn't know this was an NFL record to set an NFL record for targets. He would be targeted more than any cornerback in the history of the game in the first month. Apparently he would break his own record because in Philly, he was targeted like 87 times in the month of September one year or something. Um, and I'm with Phil. If I were an opposing offensive coordinator and I saw Jalen Mills on the field all the time, I don't care if Mike Giardi's my receiver. I'm throwing in that direction. And he's slicing him up. The guy who <laughs> yeah. has him on hills is suddenly going to be able to slice up a post flat corner. Ground. That's flat ground. I don't got to run hills in, in football. <laughs> There's no hills on football fields <laughs> off to the side for work cardio, but not on the football field. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if Mills has been good or if he's been untested. I'm not really sure. Paul, you're the all, all 22 guy. Why don't you tell me? Yeah, you know, I hate it. I, I leave that. That's another one I leave to you, Mike. Um, but I, I would say that it's it's kind of circumstantial. I mean, from the I thought that the defense played pretty well in the Chargers game against a, a team that had the ability to do some things. Since then, it's either been teams that don't throw the ball well or didn't have anybody available the day that they played. Um, so, you know, Jalen Mills... I mean, just just think about some of the games that they've had since since then. I mean, Baker Mayfield was held together with duct tape, but, or as Andy likes to say, tore it all in duct tape. Yeah. Um, you know, to get through that game, the the Panthers game was painful to watch. Uh, you know how bad that offense looked with Darnold. Then you go to like the the Tennessee game, and and listen, I'm not a huge Ryan Tannehill fan, but he's a better player than he was allowed to be in that game. Cody when, Hollister is a number one receiver. Co Co Cody Hollister and, and, and Nick uh, Westbrook Akina, you know, like, yeah. there's just no running backs, no wide receivers, nothing available. So how are you going to attack Jalen Mills? You don't yeah. have anything to attack him with. And then obviously Sunday night, I, I'm pretty, I mean, Monday night, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen would have found Jalen Mills if he, if he could have, you know, without 50 mile an hour wins getting in the way. Well, and, and they played more man than they had against the Bills than they had in basically the last six weeks, right? So, well, okay, part of the reason they've been able to get, I think, better play from Jalen Mills than people expected was is because they're playing more zone. Because yeah. when they tried to play man early in the year, they're like, you know, he's not, he's, that's not what he does, or certainly not as an outside guy. 
you know, and I think we saw it in the summer. We were like, that, that's not going to work. And they tried it for five, six weeks. And it, guess and what? it didn't work. It didn't work. So now they're doing something that they don't like to do, and that's play zone. But that's what's better for their personnel. And to their credit, they made the adjustment. And to the credit of the players, they're playing it really well. Um, so there's that part of it. You know, they play man against Buffalo because the wind's blowing 55 miles an hour. Like he's not going to throw the ball too many times. He threw the, he had the one long bomb to Stefan Diggs, which would have been a touchdown, but, and I don't even blame Diggs. Like no. the ball's doing this on the way right. down. Like, so that I think that was a calculated risk and a smart one. Like we're going to stay tight to you because if you're going to throw, you're going to throw tight. You're going to throw short. Um, I'm not convinced that they're not going to miss Gilmore at some point this year. I like, I, I still say that didn't make any sense. I still say they're a better team. I still say they should have figured out a way to make that work. Um, they didn't, and he's a he's a good player, and they they could use him. Do you think before we move on from the Gilmore thing, do you guys think that if they if Bill had really known that this was going to happen, that he might have said we got to find a way to make this work because we're you know we're going to need him in January. You know, eventually they're going to play somebody that has the ability to throw the ball. So you're you know, saying and the weather's not going to prevent it. So you're saying maybe he didn't realize that they were going to be nine and four in the top. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we're going to be a playoff team. We're going to contend for a playoffs, but we're probably not ready to make a deep run yet. Now, I mean, I have to think that the Patriots have as good. I mean, forgetting about the the metrics and, and, and everything, the Patriots, there's nobody in the AFC that's great. I think there are a lot of good teams in football. I don't think there are really any great ones. Um, I think the Patriots would have a chance to beat anybody they faced in, in any game regardless of venue. So I don't know if Bill thought that say back in, in the middle of October when this all came to pass. Um, Never, never would have traded him. Wouldn't have done it. I agree with you because this kind of goes into one of my questions. First of all, Paul, I'm surprised you didn't bring up that um, COVID got the dates wrong and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were supposed to be out for the Patriots game, but somehow (laughs) that got confused in the memo. And Oh, that's coming up a week from that. This coming Monday, Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh i'm surprised gosh. he's not hurt already oh yeah no <laughs> oh, no no, no. It, it won't be an injury it'll be COVID. oh you're right during the bye week he went right. somewhere and got COVID. um get it from carson wentz so i have two questions i want to get to um first you just mentioned it and like it's like a jumping off point i think we've all talked at various points about are the patriots better than we thought probably is the competition worse than we thought in the afc probably so you put those together patriots are super bowl contender okay right so I am interested, though. Give me your top three in the AFC. Mike, you go first this time. <laughs> Look, I, I'm. we were just talking about the Tennessee game and how Ryan Tannehill, who, you, you don't love him, but he, he's, he's pretty good, right? And, and now we had absolutely nothing in that game to throw to. And that was a game into the fourth quarter, which, you know, we look at the final score, I think from the outside, people looking at go Patriots just smashing the Titans. The Titans were the best team in the conference. And I know they had injuries, but like that wasn't close. No, it was close it, that, that it was a fourth quarter game. Um, you, if you tell me that that team gets healthy, if Julio's out there and AJ's out there and, and somehow Derrick Henry comes back out there. And even if Derrick Henry is 85% of Derrick Henry, just the mere attention that he brings in that play action game that they didn't worry about at all when it was Hilliard and, and Foreman. Um, that's a really good team. And that's a really well coached team. They're, they're tough like Vrabel. Uh, that's not a team that I would, I don't care whether I have the home field advantage. I don't care if I had the buy, 
if that team is healthy, that's not a team I would want to see in January at some point. I, I, I bet that team has made, especially defensively, that team went has come a long, long way from where they've been the last couple of years. I think that's a dangerous football team that I would not want to see. So you have Titans in your top three? Yes. I, I may have presumed something here. Do you have Patriots in your top three? Yes. Okay. So you fill out the top three with? I, I, I Look, I'm not completely sold on Kansas City because I don't – like, again, they're on a run right now where they've won five in a row and everyone's like they're back, but their offense is not anything close to what it's been. And, I, and it really hasn't been all year. So I don't know why all of a sudden now in the middle of December that they're going to be able to find that part of. But does it need to be there? Because their defense is better than the rest of the conference. Isn't that great? Well, and that's what I really want to see. Like, I'm kind of believing that this is what their offense is. They're going to be a a low 20s team at this point with with their guys. But can their defense maintain the type of success they've had? Because moving Jones back inside has changed their defense. Getting Clark back has changed their defense. Like, they have talent on that side of the ball. It just, for whatever reason, in those first six, seven weeks was a disaster. It's far from that. Now, if that, if that's who they really are defensively, then yeah, then I have to put them in my top three. Yeah. I, I, I like Mike's idea of Tennessee too, because I, I was impressed with their ability to, to make that a game. And I think that was a coaching mindset. And I think that Tennessee has a lot of the qualities we, we usually give to Baltimore. Like they're, they're going to show up and they're going to make you earn it and they're, they're not going to wilt under pressure. Um, I don't know if they'll be healthy enough to do it. Kansas City, I would still put in there, Andy, uh, just because you know you got Mahomes and you know when you have the best player in the field, I think you have a chance. He hasn't been great. Mike is right about the offense. I watched the game the other night and, you know, this is a little pattern that they're starting. They go right down the field and score. They get a stop. They go right down the field and score again. And then all of a sudden it's penalties, it's drops, it's turnovers. Yep. Um, and I, I do think they're a little limited with their uh, options. It, it's, it's Hill and Kelsey and, and they haven't really been able to get any consistency out of Hardman or Robinson. And uh, you know, that, that Pringle kid dropped a bunch of passes the other night too. Um, we can't hear you, Andy. He stinks. He's laughing at Pringle. He came up on our podcast the other day. He stinks. Like, he, he can't catch. Like, everybody was like, oh, he actually – another example. In the broadcast, they're like, Mahomes' highest passer rating is throwing to Pringle. Well, you can stick your passer rating right up your ass because he stinks. <laughs> you got to love you gotta love Andy's utter disdain for pro football focus, which is yes. the entirety of the broadcast on yeah. Sunday nights. Because I have a question Collinsworth about the Chiefs. That, question about the Chiefs that maybe Mike can answer. He's a national guy. Why is Mahomes still throw sidearm? Is he is he hurt with the shoulder? Is he trying to make things harder than he, than he needs to? Oh, I, I think like, he just does it. Yeah, and, and I agree with it. I agree with Collinsworth's criticism yep. the other night that he had one that he missed. And you know sometimes you don't have to do it. Yep. And you did it, and that caused the throw to be wide. Nope. He's going to have a Brady like February seventeenth surgery or clean up. Like I am all in that Mahomes has an injury. All in. I wouldn't be surprised either because, like, it, it just he's he's too good not to. He's a good quarterback. He doesn't need to do all this all the time. It just it doesn't make, especially Andrew. But, but I think he did this all the, the off platform stuff. I think he's been doing that for the last three years. I think aside on every throw, I think he's enamored with that part of it. But but the, he hits the one thing that maybe gives him anymore. He's one. Well, the one thing that maybe gives credence to all of this is like he's missed. Like I, I watch him sometimes, and you're like, like Kelsey the other day was. Kelsey let out a big swear on TV because he was wide open 
and the ball wasn't even close. Exactly. And, and there was no pressure on Mahomes. And I think Kelsey's like, dude, what, what is happening? Like, like what is happening here? You know, like this is, this is normal. Like this is pitch and catch. Like that's an easy yep. 20 yard gain. Nope. Not even close. That's so why the, the other, I mean, I, I would agree with Mike. I would have the Patriots certainly in, in the top three, no matter who you put with them. Um, I think Indianapolis is an interesting team if they find a way to get in. Uh, I think they have a formula that could be problematic for a playoff game. Uh, I, you know, when you run the ball as well as they do, and they throw it well enough, um, go back and watch that Tampa Bay game. To lose a game by a touchdown that you turn the ball over five times against the Super Bowl champs, five turnovers, they lost by a touchdown. Um, that's a team that I think is capable of playing with anybody. Um, I think they do. First of all, I, I said this to Mutt last night, and he kind of went, I think any team in the AFC that makes the playoffs can go to the Super Bowl. I think one to seven. If you tell me the Bengals are the seven or the Charger or whoever, I think they're capable of getting hot for a couple of weeks and going to the Super Bowl. I think there's a lot of talented teams with, with that potential. The one thing with Wentz, I don't trust Wentz. I've seen too many crappy Wentz, like idiotic Wentz, like dumb at, like borderline Jameis Winston stupidity, throws, turnovers. Like I, You haven't really I, seen much of that this year. I did on the goal line, backed up on his own goal line. Yeah, it was one. Okay, yeah, it only that, takes one to end your season. I, well, that's I, one know, of his the, five interceptions on the year. The, I think the, uh, you know, the the whatever that is, the hard knocks that they're doing during the season with the Colts. I haven't been watching any of it, but I flipped it on yesterday. In fact, it just caught like five minutes of it, and it was the Tampa game. And Quentin Nelson comes over. They just turned the ball over. It's late in the game. Quentin Nelson comes over to Frank Reich, and he says, "Can we just bleep and run?" Jonathan he's like can we just do that he's he's hot he's ready let's just go can, give give us a chance and Reich nods to him and says yes and they go down the field running the football and score the touchdown I think to take the lead at that point and you know like Nelson comes over and he's like thanks for you know like and again it wasn't it wasn't like an angry but like thanks for bleeping doing that yeah. like we, we, that's who they are so like that's what offensive some... linemen do though i mean like the, the the turnovers in that game weren't because they were throwing the ball the, the punt return was a killer the punt return think... fumble was a crusher i'm not i'm just not i'm to my 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 major point there is i'm not sold on frank as the head coach i oh. think frank's between the mm -hmm. analytics stuff which i think they've been overly relying on and you know the, all these fourth downs and your own 28 and you're going for it i i don't give it I don't care what number you give me to Andy's point. Like, I don't care what the PFF guys give me. I don't care what all these, the ringer analysts and the analytics people who the only way they can talk about football is by bringing up the numbers. Cause they don't really know football. Like stupid, just punt the ball. Like it's okay to punt the ball. Andy, in my day, you punted on fourth down. No, and you you just, it's so dumb. It, it's God. It was all, random, random aside, Baylor, Oklahoma state. I'm watching the game. Don't ask me why Baylor's up 21 to six controlling the game. Fourth down from their own 30. They go for it. They don't get it. They open the door for Oklahoma State to come back in. Now, Baylor wins the game by five, but you know what? They should – just to spite them, they shouldn't have because he allowed Oklahoma State to get back in the game. The dumb call because that's what my percentages say. Like, just shut up. Shut and up I also that. like that you brought up um, – he's, he's Reich is kind of sensitive about it too. I watched that press conference where he – I forgot the exact question, but he just went – Way yep. too much in detail on his yeah. thought process. The RPOs. And, yeah. And he's well, he so was explaining how a lot of the play calls that they had in the first half of that game could have been runs. 
and right. they were getting no, no, criticized for not running it enough. He's sensitive. It, it's like a, it, okay, but then just call a run. Yeah. Don't call. <laughs> don't give it an <laughs> RPO. Just call the damn run. See, right. but but <laughs> here's where I'm going to get defensive of Reich. He went on to explain, and we scored 24 points and threw for 300 plus yards while doing this. It's not right. like Tampa stopped them. They stopped themselves. But like that punt return fumble completely changed the game. They're up 24-14, getting the ball back. The game's going to be over. And, you know, Naheem Hines fumbles you know, on a punt return, and the game changed. So aggregators, what I'm, I'm judging from this is Frank, Frank Reich, according to, to Paul, Frank Reich is the coach of the year. <laughs> Perillo I, I just Andy Harded you right there. It's almost like we're on Boston Sports tonight. Yep. <laughs> um, but I do think that's a concern. Like, you brought up Vrabel. We all, you know, Bill is a genius, the greatest ever, blah, blah, blah. Andy Reid. I think is a good coach, got the ring, and that validated him in a lot of people's eyes. Reich, I think some people think is a really good coach. You know, this could be a post- He's in that next tier. He's way better than Zach Taylor and Brandon Staley. Right. He's untested. Don't forget McDermott. True. But I think we know what McDermott is. McDermott, who should ask for teams to be played on either Friday or Saturday because he's a terrible coach on Sundays and Monday nights too. Thursdays as well. Long way to grandma's for that. Well, he is. I think like Andy has McDermott fired after next year. I think McDermott will be fired in the next 12 to 18 months. I'll I'll tell you, I think both Buffalo's in, you know, we don't have to turn this into a Buffalo podcast, but they're on the, uh, they're on the edge. I'd be very curious to see. I'm not telling you, you, they have to go out to Tampa and win on Sunday, but they can't get blistered Well, they're all done. They better show up for that game. I think that's fair. They're teetering. Um, speaking of teetering, uh, we've made it through this entire podcast so far, talking big picture Patriots, Super Bowl, key players, blah, blah, blah. And I find it interesting. We haven't mentioned, I don't believe, the name J.C. Jackson. And I'm not sure what that means. Like, I don't know if he should be in consideration for team MVP because I think he's had some key plays. Like, Mike Giardi's shaking his head. This is an audio podcast, but he's shaking his head <laughs> um, on my screen anyway. Like, J.C. Jackson, you talk about that Tennessee game being closer than the score would indicate. I think he made a game-changing play in that game. Game-changing. I and agree. Jalen Mills, by extension, too, because if the ball just rolls out of bounds, that game is – I think that game could play out differently. I think that that was a huge play. But two-part two question. Is J.C. Jackson as good as his numbers would indicate? Has he taken over that role of number one corner? Because when Bill's teams are good and they go to the Super Bowl, Paul, they have a number one corner, right? Mm-hmm. Is he that guy? And by extension, other than Mac, who's the one guy that can't get hurt? Because it seems like everybody loses somebody really important, and maybe theirs is Jonathan Jones or whoever they already lost. But who's the one guy other than the obvious quarterback situation that they can't lose? You, Mike, you want to tackle the J.C. Jackson cornerback, and I'll do the injuries? Yeah, I think – I mean, look, I think he's been really good. I think it's he's, he's now strung together – at least two and a half seasons of, of playing at a, at a high level. He's going to, as we well know, he's going to make a, a crap ton of money, whether that's because he gets franchised or whether they let him go into free agency. Uh, you know, and there was some talks in the, in the summer about an extension and they weren't even remotely close to being on the same page there. So they tabled those things. Uh, so, I mean, clearly, you know, Patriots are aiming low and JC's aiming high and I don't know if they'll, they'll ever meet in the middle there. Um, yeah, I would guess if, I mean, look, if you're, as I'm, I'm doing the mental checklist here, going through positions, yeah, he's probably the one guy you can't, him, him and Judon, but even yeah. then with Judon, could you cobble together an Uche, Winovich, get 80% of Judon? Probably. 
you know, exactly. maybe. So, yeah, I don't know that there is anybody on the roster. I mean, if the idea of seeing Juwan Williams out there for 50-something snaps is not something that is appetizing to me, and I'm quite certain it's not appetizing to the coaching staff either. Yeah, those two guys would be high on my list of guys you don't want to lose. I, I would also look at the just – offensively the offensive line we saw the differences when they when they had some guys banged up and then how much it solidified when when everybody got healthy and Karras went in and and Trent Brown came back so I don't I mean if you, you start tinkering with that I think that's really been a strength of the team over the, over this win streak so I'm not going to tell you that if Ted Karras gets hurt and when you has to go in that's going to you know the house of cards is going to fall down but I, I do think that's a, an area that really got solidified when it sort of got this iteration of itself. Um, and then, you know, just, I think you really need those running backs. I think you need both of those guys healthy. Now you got Damian Harris banged up again. That's how they want to play. Mike, you said it earlier in the podcast that, that the style of game that they want is to run the ball and get the lead and then play on their terms. And I think Harris and Stevenson allow them to do that. Can we can we definitively say, by the way, now that 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 this is who Damien is in terms of he's not yes. for whatever reason, if it's just the way his body is constructed. Uh, but I mean, it's multiple times a year now, every year where he, he's hurt. But he's you know? a guy that can only play 10 games a season. Yep, maybe. And, and that look, if he can play the 10 games, at the level he's playing at, then you just hope you get the right 10 games. Right. But I think right. that's a question mark going forward is that durability. Like, is he if you're playing in late January, you're hosting the AFC title game. Is he out there? I, I, I don't you know, his consistency on that, on that front, his durability is, is definitely in question. Ryan, do you have any more questions do you have left? Because I have one big one that I'll, I would like to ask. But Yeah, go for it. Um, so this may be kind of previewing a column I may write tomorrow morning on uh, weei.com. And I just want to get, is this two-part question from John Dennis here? Uh, is this the most impressive um, year, I guess, of Bill Belichick's tenure in New England of his career? And I said year. I, I hope you noticed year because I'm not just saying season. I think you take into account what he did in the offseason. Um, and is what he doing what he doing, um, <laughs> what he doing more impressive than some quarterback may have done a year ago in Tampa. I think Paul just rolled his eyes. <laughs> this is, you know, my, my big fear is it's Tampa and the Patriots and we have to do this like no, don't even two weeks. Paul, Paul, it's, it's written in stone. It's <sighs> happening just accept it. I'm already like, Brace I'm just it. mentally preparing. I'm already starting to go through the checklist. I'm playing back old clips that I did, like, cause I'm just going to repeat that again. And for the Super Bowl week in, in Los Angeles, like, cause yeah. I, what more can be said? It's, we, we just lived it. We lived it for the last year. And then we had to, we built it up for forever and a day for that, for that week four game. It's, yeah, it's the, the first part of your question, Andy, I would say, Oh, one to me exceeds anything that he's done because Everything that he had to do this year in terms of rebuilding the roster throughout the year, he did in 01. And it was a, a worse team in mm -hmm. 2000 than the team that he, he had to rebuild this year. And on top of all of that, the centerpiece that he was building it around gets hurt in week two. And he has to put a, an untested guy that he wasn't prepared to play into the mix. And that allowed him to, you know, they all obviously went on and made history. So I think 01 would be more impressive. Now, 
look, look at all the different years that you could pick for Bill Belichick. Like, right. you know, as Mike said, you know, up once again, he's the coach of the year and he is um, in, in terms of uh, being more impressive. I, it's hard for me. I know, I know how you feel about the quarterback that plays down in Tampa. It's hard for me to just overlook the fact that that's such a miserable franchise that has done nothing uh, in the vast majority of its existence. And they went down there with a losing team and he made them winners. Like, I, I think it's, it's pretty simple. I think they have a head coach who um, quite often doesn't really know what he's doing and doesn't seem to have much control. Um, my brother who loves Brady and watches Tampa religiously now calls him the red faced dummy. Um, and here, here he is uh, in contention to win another Super Bowl at this age. So I have a hard time saying anything is more impressive than that. Yeah, I mean, I can't like, look, I, 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 there were moments at the end with Brady where I, you know, I was, I think I was fair to criticize his behavior, his demeanor, his approach at times. There were some games where he was just like, you know, screw it. I don't like what's happening. And I'm just going to start hucking the ball up in the air uh, at Tennessee. You remember that game? Actually yep. when he hurt his knee. Yep. He threw to Josh Gordon like 15 times when Josh Gordon wasn't open 15 times or once even. Um, but the dude is just, it's ridiculous. It's like, you can't, he's 44. He still throws as good a football as he's ever thrown. His arm strength is still ridiculous. He's obviously, he's seen everything. I like what he was able to do to Paul's point. This, I mean, that franchise blows. It's it, it, you know they had, they had their some little... talent when he got there though. For, oh, for sure. Look, there's no question. Offense, there's 5, no 000. question. He picked the the roster when he looked at the roster and said, "Wait, I can throw to Godwin and Evans and Braid, and you know I can bring. I, I know I can bring Gronk down here. Like, and I know that if I keep wearing on uh, on Jason and Bruce, that I can get Antonio Brown in here. Like, yeah, no question. There's no okay. question about that. But so, whatever. He's still. They had the same roster with Jameis Winston, and they went, you know, six and ten or seven and nine. Well, James Winston, Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Sure, but I mean, that's that's to Paul's point. Like, that's just how good he is. He's able to take the same group and say, "Win with it." yeah, five thousand yard offense, and he won with it. Um, So, my comparison thirty interceptions again. You we won't read tomorrow morning because I'll write it, but you guys won't read it because it's hurtful. You don't click on my stories. Um, That's correct. The comparison I would make because every morning. Bill Parcells um, obviously made famous groceries and meals and dinners and that type of thing. I would say Tom Brady, they both are making great meals, right? Like there's a chance Bill goes to the Super Bowl. Tom won a Super Bowl. Great meals. Tom's meal was one of those blue apron. It arrived in a box and it was ready to go. And all he really had to do was put the stuff together and throw it in the oven. He just needed to make sure it didn't burn, that he didn't drop it on the floor and let the dog eat it. And he made a good meal. Bill, on the other hand, had no ingredients, had to try to figure out what the hell he was going to make, had to find the ingredients, then put the ingredients together. There was no card. There was no recipe. There was no measuring cups. It was all from scratch. And his meal is going to be just as good. Thank you. Yes. Do you think Aaron Rodgers would have won the Super Bowl with Tampa last year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Zero point zero percent chance. You're a Brady lover and a Rodgers hater, and it's fine. I think I mean, you're completely overlooking that he had to. I, if he had that defense that allowed him to throw three picks in the AFC title game in the fourth quarter and still win, yeah, I think he'd have a good chance to win. 
people I like to just. You're, you're, I think you're discounting that there's a bit of a loser DNA. That Aaron Rodgers had the defense that actually intercepted the three passes at home in that NFC Championship game and couldn't win. And then wouldn't yeah. run the ball into the end zone on that third or fourth down, and then blame the coaching staff. And I don't know why we're kicking field goals. And he just has that that part of his DNA. He does not. There's no way that guy. Right. With and it's all, that see, to me, had. it's more about what Mike is talking about. It's not yeah. about the talent and what he can do with the talent. It's about, I think, what Brady did to that team. That team did not look like a Super Bowl team for 10 weeks. You know, with stupid mistakes, some of which he made himself. Mm. Some of it he got caught into the loser mentality of that franchise, and he beat it out of them. It took him the whole season to do it, but he beat it out of them. And I, I think it's that the intangible of what he brought to that team to me is overlooked because people think, well, because Jameis Winston had thrown 30 interceptions the year before and put up a bunch of gaudy yards because he was down two scores every week and had to throw for a million yards. They thought they were good. They weren't good. It was a bad, sad, moribund team until Brady took That's it over. Great, great word. Uh, and to your, to your, to your uh, long winded uh, question and, and analysis of, of the meal and the blue apron <laughs> and the cups and the teaspoons and the, <laughs> the temperature and cooking it for the right amount of time. And Hopefully this makes it into the call. Uh, part of the reason the Patriots had to do what they did this off season was because the cook who happens to be the head coach, let a lot of the items in his cabinet spoil. Is that, Ooh, is that, does that work for you? Is that, can, can we, can, yeah, exactly. Or he bought the wrong ingredients, you know, yeah, he, yeah. Oh, I think I can make, Oh, I can make spaghetti but using this gluten-free noodle vegan no that doesn't work bill if you want good spaghetti you make the real stuff you get the sauce you put it all together it's delicious he tried to do it with with less than than ideal ingredients well maybe he learned his lesson yeah and that's happened like is it's okay for a 69 year old to make a mistake and then learn a lesson and maybe adjust and be better oh, yeah we're not saying that that belichick hasn't done a great job you right. just sound very unappreciative paul of the guy who's you know Phenomenal job. I'll say, the I've said in the past and I'll continue to say he's the greatest I've ever seen do what he does. <laughs> that oh, sounded like Steve Bill Burton. Belichick talking you, about Tom Brady. Oh, right yeah. there. <laughs> you and Steve Burton are the only guys I've heard say that. You, did you hear Steve on the postgame show the other night? I'm going to say it. Bill's the greatest of all time. <laughs> yes. Out on a limb, Steve. Don't go too far. It might break. Even I, we're colleagues. We work together on all access. We, we, we're like-minded. You probably got that from me in a meeting once. Probably, probably. I have, I have one question before you wrap this up. You don't even need to expand on your answer. Just say yes or no. Do the Patriots make it to the AFC title game? Yes. I'm going to say yes, too. Did the Patriots make it to the Super Bowl? Yes. That I'm going to I'm say. I'm telling no. you, book your, Bob, Bob, just make your plane tickets. Yeah, I, I'm going to say no on the Super Bowl. I just don't I, think this is a good enough team. And I think at some point I've seen they'll face before. someone that plays up to their capability against them. But I, I think they're, they're in the driver's seat for the number one seed. And now you're just talking about one win to get to the AFC Championship. I, get, I think they'll get that. Do, let me uh, add a little more timely question. Do they run the table? No. 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 So they lose one of the next four? Yes. Uh, okay. Expand. Maybe two. This, this, oh, they could lose two, yeah. I, they I could lose four. I know how it works. I'm saying, will they? No, no they, they can very they easily can't lose, lose three to the Colts. They could very easily lose the Bills in two weeks, provided they don't blow up in Tampa Bay. And then that Miami game the last week of the season, who knows what happens? That That's could not, be for a playoff you know, spot. That Miami game scares the crap out of me. It does everything. That game could be for a playoff spot. Yeah. If they, lo- if they, if they do the Ryan thing with 
you know, all of a sudden the sky's falling and they lose two? <laughs> well, I said two losses could include the Miami. Well, also, Ryan, just I believe before we started this four-game stretch of Titans, Bills, Colts, <laughs> whatever. Out you, here, Ryan. you said one and three, right? Yeah, I did. I had them losing <laughs> both these last two games. I was wrong. That's all oh, right. But I also I didn't I didn't know Tennessee was going to have nobody. I didn't know that there was going to be fifty mile hour winds in Buffalo because I think we would agree if the winds weren't there, it was normal weather. It's a different game. It will be in Gillette. So could yeah. have been a different game even with the wind there. I mean, they were in the red zone throwing for the end zone. Like that. I know they got a pass defense, but I don't think the ball was going to get there anyway. I think it was kind of a meaningless pass defense. But um, right. you plus guys he missed the plus he missed the guy that he should have been throwing to. Well, and you guys gave uh, Diggs a pass earlier. I don't really give him a pass. Like if you're going to be what you think you are, like if you're going to be that all pro special receiver, like that was your opportunity to do. That's how legends are made. Like, Oh, I can't find it, but I catch it. Like that's how legends are made. Catch the damn ball. It hit you in the forearm. It did 50, 55 mile an hour winds. Yeah. That's why like, you know, but I got there. It was a phenomenal throw, phenomenal yes. throw in that wind. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Would you like him? Yes. All right, he has to make the he has to make the play. I think Mac, I, I think Mac made that throw in a preseason game to Christian Wilkerson that people are still talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Nikhil Harry too. And Nikhil Harry, who <laughs> then proceeded to destroy his shoulder. Okay, so they're not going to run the table, but they are going to the AFC title game. Are we unanimous in that view? No. Oh, oh. Wow. You don't think they're going to the AFC title game either? Huh? You don't oh think they're going to get the uh, the bye? Are they going to win the negative, division, Ryan? Yes. If they I, ever win again, everything right? is set up for them to lose their first game at home. I I just feel. It. Okay. Like a team, because like you said, they haven't been, they haven't been like, haven't had, had a team at full strength. Like they haven't faced Tennessee. They okay. Faced, let, me, let me ask you something. So if, uh, so I, they're in the driver's seat to be the number one seat. So yes. let's just assume they get the bye. Okay. Yep. First round game, the Chargers come to New England. Do you think the Chargers are coming to New England in January? You said the Chargers. It will. <laughs> The Chargers. The Chargers. No, if it's the Chargers, then no. Cincinnati. Why it, but why is it the Chargers? It could very well be Kansas City. No, I know. Right, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm it could be the Colts. Different team. Cincinnati. Is Joe Burrow with Zach Taylor as his head coach? Really? I'd, worry, I'd worry about Cincinnati. They have, they have a lot of weapons. They that they have weapons and, and physicality. They yes. have everything. Other than the, the, the coach? They're very similar to the Patriots. I think they have yeah. a running back. I think they have a quarterback. This. I think, like, good weapons. Like, I'm going to assume Jamar Chase is not going to throw the ball up like he's John U. Smith to the other team all the time. Like, I think the Bengals are – that's why I say, like, that's the type of team I think could be the seven seed or the sit whatever and get hot and go on a run. Yeah, the Chargers – NFL I, Network at 9 was a setup in the morning by UG, on Sunday morning where you'll see Mike Giardi live from Cincinnati as the Bengals get ready to play Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm stunned that you got Garoppolo in a bye week. I yeah, didn't even him. ask for it. I was, How'd you pull that string? I didn't even ask for it. You're going to tell him not to throw an ugly pick over the middle? Don't force it to Kittles over the middle in a team meeting? Actually, the but however, the Bengals' defense is very um, soft in the middle, and that's probably the best place to throw the ball. Well, this was a different game. Are you talking about the Ravens? You buying in the Ravens at all? No, they're done. I think the Ravens are done. Oh, lost too many people, too many injuries. And Greg, I mean, they started the season already down. Andy, how many times I tell you, you know, and when you when you go into the season, you're already injured. You don't get healthier as the season goes on. <laughs> nope, <laughs> they're done. I feel bad because I, I respect that program yep. probably as much as any other team program. program. What a tool. The program. 
What a- no, I respect the way they go about their business. They're, I think they're like the Patriots in that regard. And I think Mike is right to put Vrabel in Tennessee in that category. They're not going to lose games because they're just dumb and, and, you know, do stupid things. Every once in a while, they're going to lose because everybody loses. But they're going to normally be prepared to play in that game and they're going to show up ready to go. Normally. I'm not saying there's no exceptions like Tennessee losing to the Jets and, and the Texans. I mean, it happens. So, Ryan, who's coming in here? If our scenario that we just played out, who come Kansas City can come in here and beat the Patriots? City? Well, if Kansas City is the four Since seed, you which is what Cincinnati? they are right now, right? Cincinnati? Yes. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Cincinnati. No. no. Well, if they make the playoffs, it means they kind of turn things around a little bit. I, uh, that might have meant they beat you on the 26 at Gillette. Right. Well, just okay. so you know, Buffalo controls their own destiny. Right. Just like the Patriots do. Yes. Buffalo does. Yes. I don't think they control anything. They can barely not pee themselves. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is pay attention the other night after the game, the split benefits Buffalo. Yes. The Patriots need the sweep. Yes. Because of that loss to Miami week one, yeah. that, that Patriots fans want to say, you know, who cares? Well, you might not care in week 17, but I'm not even sure that Sean McDermott will show up for the game on the 26. He's still whining and bitching about everything that happened in that game. That wasn't fair. <laughs> you're an angry little man you really are just an angry man okay one last you know to his point sean mcdermott was the real angry man angry little man oh no Uh, he's he's got the red ass there's no question mcdermott hurts his team i agree with andy on the sideline he hurts his team with that demeanor like you won't you you might remember i don't because i'm an idiot and i forget these things he had one of the worst challenges ever like two years ago against the patriots or three years ago it was an unchallengeable, unwinnable, idiotic call. I don't remember that. I didn't hate this challenge, even though it was unlikely to, to get overturned. First of all, I think it should have been overturned, but that's oh. not my argument. My argument is I think it was worth it because I think the desperation of the situation called for a roll of the dice. I think they had a chance that it would get overturned, and if it, if it doesn't exactly what happened, they're going to r- grind out the rest of that clock in that quarter, and now you got to go into the win the rest of the way. Yeah, that, that play – I, I don't know the, what, when the whistle blew or if it didn't blow, but if you watch the play, just follow Max's helmet. Yep. His helmet doesn't even get to the yard marker. Doesn't and really yes, get close. Five seconds later, he's right. two yards past it. But and boy, the referee was already running in from the far sideline, which yeah. to me tells me that the whistle had blew. Yeah. Yep. I, I, thought, I really thought that that play should have been overturned. I, whatever. It didn't. So that's to the Patriots' benefit. But I, I didn't hate that challenge at all. And I know a lot of people did, but I think sometimes it's just piling on McDermott. Well, a lot of people have suggested he got his pants coached off in the game. And I I don't really understand what they did. Like, I think it was a dead even game. I think Uh, the the weather, the weather completely dominated the game. What about the the coin toss deferring and not, not having the win in the fourth quarter. Do you think he even knew that that he could have, because he deferred, he could have kicked off to start the second half and not taking the ball. Yeah. So you kick off both halves. Right. But he didn't do that. Why would you want to do that? You're giving up a possession. You get the win in the fourth quarter. Woo! <laughs> I got the wins, right. but the other my, team my, has the ball. I don't no, know. Belichick did it in overtime, and it worked for him. And everybody's calling that one of the great. Belichick did it in overtime, and it cost him a Super Bowl against the Jets. Oh, that's a good point. And 15. Brandon Marshall, baby. And um, by the way, the game against Denver, this is another one that gets revisionist history to it. Yes, they took the wind in overtime. And then they, they went out and Denver got stopped and the Patriots got the ball. And what did they do? They got stopped. They, got, they stopped. got stopped. Denver got the ball. They got stopped. 
The Patriots got the ball again. Oh, and they got stopped and then punted and the ball hit, hit a guy for Denver. That's how they won. Like everybody thinks they gave Denver the win. They, I mean, they took the wind instead of the ball. Denver got stopped and the Patriots went down and won the game. That's not what happened. This is the, the wind had nothing to do with it. <laughs> this is the Paul Perillo that I use sometimes for certain situations. I use, I channeled my Paul Perillo last week, Paul, when I was on with Fourier and I said, Hey Christian, so the bills can't run the ball a lick. Right. And the Patriots part of their foundational success is they're one of the better running teams. Right. And Christian goes, yes. And I go, who averages more yards rushing per game? And he goes, well, the way you set it up, I'm guessing it's the bill. <laughs> like, I took that from you. 20 years, I took a little something from you. Now, finally, before we wrap this up, because it's interminable, um, is there Wait, cake? I had one more thing I wanted to say about the Bills game. Wait, yes. is there cake? It's the 200th episode. Shouldn't there be, like, cake? There should be cake. Uh, uh, no, they're actually pie. There should be pie. Cake's I'll take pie, cake. cake, beer, whatever. Ooh, come yeah, here. Yeah. I like beer. Oh, I said Miller Light. Miller Light. Paul just was interested for the first time in an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> he perked right up. He perked what right were you going to say about the Bills game, though? I was going to say that there was, to me, there was an out coaching because McDermott and Leslie Frazier were slow to adjust to, they're not going to throw, dude. Yeah. So I agree stop with, with the nickel defense, put a big fatty on there, and it get, gets, mm-hmm. they're going six offensive linemen 60% of the time. Let's match that instead of waiting until the fourth quarter or, and then also waiting until the fourth quarter to tell your linebackers, Hey, every time the guard pulls, just shoot the gap, go where he was, go where he was and make a play. Cause we're, I would agree with that. I think that, that that's a fair criticism of yes. McDermott. I would agree. That was bad. And also after the game bragging about field position and all well, that, that, that was basically worse. just made the argument yeah, again. His, po- his post game, he should, I, I think what like he's trying PR to say guy. is if you told me the game was going to unfold exactly the way it did, I would have taken my chances. Right. And I, and I think I agree with them, but it I think if you played the game exactly the same way with the same starting field position, the bills probably get more points than the Patriots. Yeah. But yeah. you know, your running back drops the ball on the 29 yard line. You don't get any points there. Uh, you know, and what about the red zone stuff? Happen? Like that's, I don't know. One for four in the red zone. Right. That's but, a, that's I think, cool. but I, I, I think if you, so the Patriots have bad coaching because they haven't been good in the red zone this year. They've, they've been better than one and four. Uh, well, not in all games. Yeah. <laughs> not in most. <laughs> they're certainly not at the 73% or whatever that Max says they're trying to get to. Well, there's more of the penalties in the red zone. They had first thing goal from the six and got zero points out of it. They missed the field goal. They, had pen- they got back there because of penalties, I thought, wasn't it? That was with the false start. Uh, they missed the field goal, whatever reason. I mean, you can't miss a 33-yard field goal. You can't. I don't care what the wind. Got to make it. Yeah, I, I, the details, like, I think you're right. I think that is what he was trying to say. I don't think the execution was great. It was, it was colossally dumb. His performance in the post game deserves every amount of criticism it's received. It was I, dumb. I said to Ryan, and this is where we started our podcast today. I agree with the, let's not make more of Bill Belichick than it is. Like his offensive lineman kicked our ass. Paul, I don't think this was a want, uh, uh, they, they couldn't like want to, they, they couldn't. Like the, the Patriots were the more physical team, both sides of the ball. They stopped the run and they ran the ball. It's yeah. like, it, it was 1912 and. Yeah, that's what was so depressing. You know how much I love that style. <laughs> but it was like for, for one night only, like, I don't know that anybody wants to see that like 16 right. games a year, but for one night only, it was old school football. Okay. Right. Yeah. You're going to say something, but I guess we're just canceling yeah. that now. Put a bullet in this podcast. <laughs>
We'll be back for the 201st podcast next week. (laughs) Well, the way you guys are talking, we'll be doing this again in LA in uh, two months. Uh, We could do a live, like in person, out in the sun. Although Giardi tells me it's going to be an absolute crap show that the logistics are terrible, he's heard. It's going to be terrible for everybody. Will we all be out there for the whole week, Mike Giardi? Oh, yeah. I I had heard some rumblings that neither team, whoever, was going to be there early. That there was yeah. going to be a late arrival. Right? Yeah, I had heard that as well. That possibility maybe Thursday. Yes. Oh, well, I'm actually more. I'm, more I'm more interested in going now, Andy. Me too. I'm more intrigued. <laughs> Give me a four day Super Bowl, five day Super Bowl. You cut it down, yeah. like get rid of the extra fluff. And, and plus, stuff. Friday and Saturday are always kind of like nothing days. Woo. And I and I will say, <laughs> I will say, sign me up for LA. I'll go to LA in February. This isn't Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Minnesota. Okay. Now, All right, now, Tom, we'll be doing now Hannibal's going to be right. Now they're going to get eliminated in the first game. <laughs> right, right. All right. Maybe we'll do another one. Thanks for joining us. All right, boys. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.